Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So I hope we have a treat for you today, but let me start with a disclaimer that the reminder that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. This does not constitute a session with a therapist or social worker. Please see someone in your area for the, to work on your unique issues and to get the help you need and the intention you need. So today, as you've probably picked up a theme from some of my other ones, uh, a person I'm here to talk to today was one of also with me the first day we went to Atlanta for brain spotting and for the BIPOC brain spotting, uh, first of which have been now many uh, experiences. And she was one of definitely one of the people I wanted to uh, have on the podcast, especially as I started seeing some of the photos she was putting because of her new job working with the NFL. Uh, and it's like, yep, 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 that's one we need to have on here. So who I happen to be talking about is Dr. Paula S. Langford. She's a native of Baltimore and is a clinical social worker who earned her master's in social work degree from the University of Maryland in 20 and 20, 20 and 2002, respectively, she became the first African-American Roman Catholic female to earn her master's and doctorate degree from Howard University School of Divinity. She is a she is a corporator at St. Ambrose Catholic Church in Northwest Baltimore and works in the Northwest Baltimore community to improve community well-being. For the past 30 years, Dr. Langford has worked as a clinical social for the District of Columbia and Baltimore. She is a certified African-centered self social work practitioner through the National Association of Black Social Workers Academy of African-Centered Social Work. Dr. Langford is a certified brain spotting therapist, uses brain spotting neuroexperiential therapy in addressing trauma and accessing emotional resources to promote academics, sports, and creative performance. She is the, she is the newest clinical clinician for the NFLPA and is eager to work with athletes on sports performance, trauma, and enhancement. Dr. Langford is a global transformable, transformable leader, therapist, and author. She has also co-authored three anthologies, Black Therapist Rocks, Furious Speaking, and Pursuit. In, 20, in 2021, she has contrib- was a contributor, contributing author in the social work text, Trauma and Mental Health Social Work with Urban Populations, African-Centered Interventions. All of Dr. Langford's writings encourages others to reach for their best potential by addressing trauma in the brain. Dr. Langford is passionate about the healing of God's children and families everywhere. Dr. Langford is an advocate for justice, believes that no one is no one is free until we all are. And you got an impressive list of keynotes there. So <laughs> welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And we're going to go on and talk and see about what we've got here. So uh, my first question is, how did you find yourself in all of this? Um, long story. Um, I actually started because I saw my mom and dad 
who mm-hmm. are clinical social workers, and I wanted to be just like my mom. And so my mother uh, was a social work student at Morgan State. My dad was a philosophy student. They met um, in a program in Maryland. And so that's how I became a social worker. I absolutely loved attending Morgan State. And I just wanted to follow in their footsteps. Very nice. And one of the things we were just briefly talking about before we started was the standpoint that one of the reasons I asked that question is for people to start really understanding that how people came to be working in this profession, because yeah, we have, let's be frank, bad PR when it comes to what it means for us to be either a social worker or a therapist. And to hear that there is a generational component to this is also one of those that I don't think is a narrative we hear too often when it comes to the aspect of working with mental health and supporting people. Absolutely. It's interesting because my niece is uh, just earned her master's in social work as well. So, um, yeah, we I think one of the things that we need to do is change that narrative, particularly for black and brown folk, because we have not traditionally known therapy to be a safe space for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So. You have a variety of things, including your book, which I think we'll talk about a little later on. But one of the big ones, and which is the things that we, how we met was doing brain spotting. So, and I know you have been spearheading a lot of efforts right now in the Baltimore and Maryland area and DC to try and get more people aware of brain spotting. So why don't we start there? What is your, how would you help people to begin to understand what brain spotting is? Well, the way I try to help folk understand brain spotting is really through my platform, Coffee and Conversation, because therapy shouldn't be so difficult. So when I'm asking folk, and I do it all the time, um, when I'm talking to folk, I tell them about this new therapy, revolutionary therapy, um, brain spotting. And I think brain spotting needs to be um, more, available, particularly in communities of color, low um, socioeconomic groups, because of the power that it and the healing that it brings. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways I do is I really just talk to people and say, oh, I noticed that, you know, as you were talking to me, you looked over to the side. So I explained to them that brain spotting, there is a natural gay spotting where you look to find an answer, to understand what it is that you maybe want to say, what recognize what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So I've now coined everyday brain spotting when I'm talking to people in the community. Because you know, we know what brain spotting is. We know when we say therapy or neuroexperiential, we know what that is. But mm-hmm. everyday ordinary person doesn't know what that is. Mm-hmm. So I use the uh, brain model. I use my hand as the brain model, explaining the parts of the brain, explaining how they work. And then I just give a little demo. Mm-hmm. On, and I usually use the resource model, which is that calm, grounded, and neutral um, to help folk find um, just, a, you know, an area that they want to work on briefly. Mm-hmm. So that's how I bring brain spotting every day, ordinary terms, helping people to understand that they can, you know, regulate their system and they can do it naturally and they've Mm -hmm. been doing it all along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just helps to have that little bit of guidance. And as we put it, that uh, connected um, uh, uh, nervous system 
to be able to work on that because I think there's also that standpoint of it's great to know it, but if you're also working with some, if two unregulated people are doing it, that's where the results might get a little more iffy. I agree. I agree. And that's when, that's my plug for, hey, can I help you find a brain spotting therapist? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Maryland. And that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to increase the number of BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, brain spotting clinicians um, in DC, Maryland, and Virginia, but also globally. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, again, I see the power of brain spotting. I didn't start out as a brain spotting therapist. Um, I found that this is really what I call my secret sauce. And when I say that, I say because I've seen the power of helping people doing that dual attunement, working, going along. I think that's what you really mm-hmm. spoke to, you know, having that person to go on the journey with you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what brain spotting allows folk to do. And it's gentle. And you have someone who is not um, providing you advice, but it's coming up out of the individual. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So, as you said, you're really focusing on trying to get more people to connect with a brain spotter of color. So how can people find that? So we have um, a platform called the Clinicians of Color Directory. Um, Mm. I have just started uh, working on what we call the spotter, which is a directory of just brain spotting therapists um, in the DMV, uh, the District of Columbia, Maryland and Virginia. Um, hopefully we can expand that to a global um, electronic uh, document so that it can go on folks' websites um, for free um, and also so that it can go to agencies and organizations in our area, allowing folks to have access to those clinicians who are specifically brain spotters. Very nice. And so what has been the sort of obstacles, but also the, the glories that you found in bringing it to these agencies? Let me start with the glories, because um, I just talked about um, on one of my posts, um, just being excited about doing research in child welfare. And mm-hmm. when I talked about brain spotting, I connected to what it is that I do in the District of Columbia and in Maryland around CQI, continuous mm-hmm. quality improvement. And so when we look at children in uh, child welfare, how do we assess them and how do we engage them? I believe that if we introduce, and uh, so far first pitch, it went well, um, introduce brain spotting to the um, caseworkers and the therapists who are working then we are able to better engage our children and families by using brain spotting during our home visits. Mm. Uh, Being able, and so that's part of the research that I want to do to bring that awareness of brain spotting. I talk about brain spotting um, every day. um, And I talk about it from a standpoint of how it is helpful. I've seen so many of my clients, um, and now um, I'm moving towards doing more group work to have more um, impact, but many of my clients, I can't take another client on my caseload 
because folks are saying, no, you need to go to her. She does this thing called brain spotting and I have homework to do and I get to understand me and be Mm -hmm. able to get through the day. So that's one of the glories that I see with using brain spotting. I think one of the challenges in introducing brain spotting is that we have this oppressive system um, in the sense of uh, we're looking for evidence-based modalities. And sometimes that can be a little political. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the other part of the challenge is getting people to understand that when we put on a label of evidence-based, it means that someone has approved it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it works for a particular group. And so- With brain spotting, as we are doing more work with it, we also need to document um, our work with brain spotting, but also do more research um, using it. And so the challenge has been old models and old minds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with organizations, what I do is if I can get the line worker to understand brain spotting, then I can move up to administrations um, and administrators and directors to, to really use that. They, that's one of the ways they introduced, at least in my agency, motivational interviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to get folk on board, but sometimes we have to start with the worker because the worker is the one that's going in the house and hitting the streets. So that's been one of the challenges, changing the, uh, the mindset um, of, agencies and directors and administrators and systems to understand that there are other modalities out here that are as effective, if not more. So that's been my challenge. Very much so. I think one of the other unspoken elements to this is also insurance companies too, Mm -hmm. who have been influencing that aspect of what counts as evidence-based and what counts as how much how the results come up with because they're again very results oriented Mm -hmm. but i think as we continue to show that and document the um successes the therapeutic successes of using brain spotting uh writing more about it um talking more about it then the Mm -hmm. insurance companies will see the benefit of doing that Mm -hmm. and again you know with insurance companies they are um, systems. And so we have to do the same thing, but the only way we can do it is to have more practitioners practicing, utilizing it mm-hmm. in the areas. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is a person by person, state by state, world by world, so to speak, uh, challenge. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. a challenge, but I think we're ready for it. Um, I'm going in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Senegal, West Africa, where we will be introducing brain spotting to, to the Senegalese folk. Um, and it is our goal to go to the University of Dakar and speak with mm-hmm. the uh, directors of their uh, behavioral and mental health program um, under Project Safety Nets, which is uh, our colleague Ann Dillard's program, mm-hmm. um, so that as we are doing brain spotting, um, we are expanding and the uh, ability for people to have access to us. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, I also offer scholarships um, for that, because I know that it can be costly, 
but it's, it's one way to, you know, it's necessary. It's one way mm-hmm. for us to expand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just for FYI, there is roughly, what are we looking at now, close to 16 or 17K brain spotters worldwide. And in at least, what is it, 50 countries? Yes, thereabouts. And growing because we mm-hmm. had classes that came out this week, last weekend. So, yeah, and growing. Yep. And I know I've seen the uh, requests for uh, facilitators for several of them for the rest of this year, too. So I got to look at my schedule to be able to help out about that. Now, that being said, and we've also talked about how the you're using it. I know there was a recent uh, exchange I was watching uh, happen on Facebook around a recent football player and, and an incident that came up with him. Since you aren't also working now with the NFL, how have you been able to bring brain spotting into that? It's interesting because um, that you brought that up because the exchange was really, um, it came out of all of the memes mm-hmm. that came up about um, Antonio Brown. Introducing brain spotting and working as the therapist for the NFLPA, um, the Players Association, I found that I'm probably one of the few. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly um, right now in this area, probably the only African-American female that I know. Mm-hmm. And as I work with the players coming off the field, it is really the players telling their colleagues, telling the other players, the coaches, um about brain spotting mm-hmm. and um one of the things that we miss about um they call him ab antonio brown is that um there was trauma before he got on the field mm-hmm. and so we miss that um as a therapist when i'm watching the games i'm watching the behaviors but i'm also thinking about traumatic experiences long before they became you know these famous players and so introducing brain spotting um, to my colleagues in the PA, uh, NFL PA, as well as the administration will help the players to have more access to it. We do have uh, Paige Roberts, who is a um, expert, um, Sarah Muller, who is also an expert um, working with players, but we need more. Mm-hmm. And then we also need brain spotting therapists for those players who are retired. Mm. it's a whole nother story for them um and so my introduction is to do it with my players have my players tell their uh the other players but also introducing it through brain spotting everyday brain spotting talks mm-hmm. um and so i think that will be the most effective way that's the kind of my vision for it um and being able to make sure that again the players have access to a modality that is effective. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I mean, and I, to be frank, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not interested in any sports balls. Uh, so that's why it's like understanding what was going on with the nature of this is something where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, if this comes up, I'm going to talk to the person who's going to know what the more about it than I do. And I remember they had specifically tagged you on this and this is also very much one of the deeper narratives we also need to i think deeper need to look at as a culture and people in that standpoint of how much has the past trauma that people have lived with been a part of one their success and such as things like the nfl but how has it also been 
well, what's the best way to put it? Utilized for others' gains. That's a whole nother story for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a colleague years ago send out this um, email about young players and how much money they're going to make. And this is a college, uh, a kid going to college. And um, he thought it was a wonderful article. But when I read the article, I saw something different. I saw a young Black man from an impoverished neighborhood um, not having um, access to uh, educational systems, to teach him how to budget his money. Mm-hmm. And so now they're throwing all this money at him. And what are they doing to, to kind of buffer all of the other stuff that will be coming, coming his way? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we talk about the money that the players make, but we never look at the money that the coaches make, that the, um, the uh, owners make, the um, uh, stadiums, mm-hmm. the big business. And mm-hmm. so if you really want to, and, and I understand that's your, what your business is, but if, do you want to protect your player? Mm-hmm. Because your player is really your business, your business. And so I remember um, having a conversation with David Graham, the developer of brain spotting. Um, he said, Paula, you realize even the goat can be better. There is a higher potential for the greatest of all athletes and so but if they don't address that trauma then they are either blocking bracing and so they don't begin to address um how they can move to a even better place as a player as a Mm -hmm. teammate we forget Mm -hmm. about that because they're not playing in silos they're playing in teams and so when you are able to have teams that are um, able to recognize that the trauma, the sports injury trauma, they, we don't talk about that, um, that the trauma is impacting their performance, then you can, um, once we do that, then you can have a better player. But when that player retires, you still have a better person. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really went into working with the NFL um, PA because initially I had no interest in sports at all. It was really the player. Mm-hmm. And this has also been in the recent years too, the idea of what is the mental health of an athlete becoming more and prevalent also with what happened with Sonia Biles, as well as um, Naomi and I completely blanking right now this moment on her last name, but the one who plays tennis that was with the whole Serena thing and all of that. Oh. Yes. Uh, so, and the fact that she didn't, didn't want to do press conferences and same thing with Sonia saying is like, no, I'm not going to do this because at that point I'm risking my life. I'm risking potentially others who might be in, if she misses the fall and, and somebody happens to be close, she could land on them too. Not just injuring her someone else, but injuring herself Absolutely. and see putting that importance towards themselves is one of those greatest things that we look at in self-care but knowing too this business can we replace the cog right well and i think that with um simone biles and um the other players that have been highlighted in the the news i i, I applaud them because that is abuse 
of of power mm-hmm. when you know you have your coaches you have the owners who are saying no you're going to get out there because i paid for you to be trained and now you're going to produce um mm-hmm. that's abusive mm-hmm. and so i applaud the women and men who say you know what i'm not going to play with an injury because if i play with this injury which is what came out around antonio brown Um, if I play with this injury, then I may not ever be able to play at all. Mm. I may not be able to walk at all. Mm. And Mm. so, you know, we have to think about that self-care. We can't just talk about it. We also have to be about it. We have to Mm -hmm. be uh, really putting that in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which speaks very much to the generational trauma that lies for, for many of us because of the issues of slavery, because of the issues of Jim Crow and such. Also then too, the generational issues that have put into the goals of just surviving. Right, right. We, we live in this survival mode and that impacts our brain when we are constantly, it impacts our physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we look at the generational trauma and epigenetics, it's vibrating in our cellular, on a cellular level for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we could be at, we people could be at a much better um, level uh, ability to, to be productive, not as cash cows, um, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking of, but just productive as people when we address the historical trauma that's really in our bodies, our brains have never said that we are safe. And and now it's like um, we have become so comfortable with the high adrenaline rate that we're not associating it with physical health. You know, uh, fibromyalgia, um, I'm doing some work on that, trying to figure out how do we help men and women address the brain stuff, the, the calming down that amygdala, the middle part of the brain to be able to regulate the body. Mm-hmm. And so we miss that from our historical trauma. Um, and every time we see it played, um, one of the reasons why we have restorative justice groups going on now, because we have to be able to address this, um, as they say, elephant in the room, because the elephant shouldn't be in the room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but we have to do that internally as well as systematically. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And just, just to bring an element of the geekdom world in there, there's a meme that was floating around uh, about this Spider-Man or Spider-Man as everyone, as we've classically known, Spider-Man is Peter Parker, a white guy from, New York, and then there is the one of the other Spider Men, Miles Morales, who is a black is a Latino, uh, Puerto Rican, African American mix. And one of the traits of Spider Man is the fact that he's got essentially a danger sense mm-hmm. that's going off whenever he's under threat to know that get out of the way. And the meme goes with uh, Miles asking Peter why when does the danger sense shut off and peter says saying it's like wait you shouldn't be shouldn't be running and then he says oh as he realizes miles's danger sense is going off because of the being a black 
black superhero, even though no one knows it under the mask. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. I haven't seen that. I have, you have to send that one to me. I haven't seen that one. Oh, um, yeah. yeah there, there's one to get into that. <laughs> I just, well, and when you think about Black men, they have always been on a hundred. Mm -hmm. They have always been on a hundred. Their systems have never been able to calm down um, and regulate them. Uh, they have never been regulated to a level where they have not been impacted physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Um, think of, you know, um, the police stopping mm -hmm. black men or men of color, um, women of color, mm -hmm. Sandra Bland, um, and then in our communities, um, not feeling uh, safe, not having the uh, kinds of resources necessary to help us bring that dysregulation um, to regulation. Mm -hmm. And really not having um, enough, because I won't say that they, they haven't been there, uh, enough folk where we can have that dual attunement. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about our politicians. I'm thinking about our therapists. I'm thinking about our teachers. Um, because even the teachers have been traumatized but haven't addressed their own trauma. And so when we are looking at how our, our students are showing up, all of that is impacted by adults who haven't addressed their trauma. So mm -hmm. when you think about Black men and men of color, no, they have never really had a safe place, a safe time. It's, it's so short that they, the body has yet to even catch on to it. Hmm. Um, I'm working with quite a few um, men um, and men of color, and I was really surprised that they selected me. But one person really came to me because there were two things that I had. I had brain spotting experience and I had IFS or internal family systems experience. And the work that these men are doing um, is phenomenal. Their relationships are getting better. Their sense of um, self is improving. Their self-esteem is improving. Um, and so we have to be able to even have, and so I, I'm always excited to see our brothers um, in the training, the brain spotting training, um, because that's one more brother who can touch another brother, right? Um, I'm not saying that only men can work with men, but sometimes I think that that might be the best for men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a lovely place for us to break. And just let that soak in and we come back in for our second half. And we're going to explore that with Dr. Paula Langford. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Our lives in the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, 
send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for the second half with Dr. Paula Langford. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So one of the thing, interesting things that I know when we were reading, I was reading your bio, spoke about your, you also have the uh, divinity uh, doctor uh, degrees and so forth. And I know in some of our other talks, when we've been in other brain spotting trainings and so forth, we've gotten talking about the spirituality and especially that interconnection between brain spotting and spirituality. So I thought that would be an interesting place for us to talk about in this half. So I definitely, I remember being in um, brain spotting phase three and um, we had an athlete and um, right before, I I think I said to David Grand, again, the um, developer, um, how can you not include spirituality in brain spotting? And I don't think that's what he said per se, but that's how it landed for me. Mm -hmm. And it was... um, Recognizing that dual attunement is somewhat related to our spiritual mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. to the client, um, but also that as uh, African Americans, we bring a different element when we talk about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so bringing the whole self into the therapy room, into brain spotting. Um, the person, the athlete that we had, I thought it was amazing that the same scripture that he talked about uh, coming out of his demo was the same one written by one of our colleagues who was observing. Mm-hmm. And the, the feeling of the energy and the spiritual connection in working with that young man. And we were all in different places around the world. Um, I just don't see how we cannot include spirit um, or spirituality into, because that is one of the things that helps us to get through this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we think about brain spotting and spirituality, it helps us people, um, not just black folk, but it helps us to really tap into that side of that helps us to move past some of the issues that we have, the oppressiveness of the world, the um, injustice, and how do we help to make this world a better place than we found it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I use spirituality, uh, you know, I won't say I allow my clients, my clients bring what they bring. And I hold that space with them. There are times, um, there was a recent post where um, I mentioned that I. We've had a hit a glitch and unfortunately power got lost for Dr. Paula. So I got her here now on the phone so we can continue the conversation. You were just speaking about spirituality and brain spotting. Yes, I was talking about um, using brain spotting. Um, I tried uh, to use brain spotting every day for myself. Um, I do a lot of self brain spotting, but earlier this week, what I ended up doing was using my prayer time and my meditation time and incorporating brain spotting in that. Mm -hmm. And it was such, so powerful 
um, because I also am a Reiki master teacher. And so I said, well, let me incorporate some Reiki in this, right? Um, And this was actually in preparation for this podcast, but also another project that I have to finish um, where I have to be on camera and to help with anxiety and those kinds of things. And so it was so powerful that I did a post and it was amazing to see how many other Reiki practitioners or teachers who were in a brain spotting community and how they use um, uh, Reiki and brain spotting in the therapy room. Um, I also mm-hmm. allow, I don't know if uh, this was heard, but in my session, my clients bring what they bring. Um, and so what ends up happening is if they bring in their spiritual side, who am I to say that they can bring that into therapy? It helps them. It helps to regulate them. It helps to support them in the healing process. And so um, brain spotting and spirituality is amazing connection. And again, that is that dual achievement. That is where that person is and understanding what it is they need to help them heal. Which is also going back to what we were talking about in the first segment about the aspect of where it doesn't fit necessarily the evidence-based or those who have uh, put a basis of where spirituality can work in all of this for the healing. Right, right, exactly. It's an incomplete system. Because, um, yeah, it's incomplete. And so when we think about not, not saying that you can't, bring in your um, your ancestors or um, mantras or mudras or, you know, even your rosary beads. And that says to me that you really don't want the person to heal fully. Mm-hmm. And I know I was going to talk about the book, your book and so forth, but I think this is actually a more, a much better place for us to jump over to the aspects of the myths and realities of therapy. And I think this is what you just said about the aspects of bringing in the rosary or the uh, beads is a perfect place to start talking about myths and realities around therapy and mental mm. health. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that this is, um, it's necessary that the narrative about therapy has to change. Um, and particularly for people of color, um, laying on the couch while that was something that um, most people know about therapy. There's so many other innovative um, modalities that have been ex- um, explored and also developed like brain's body. Um, I know a lot of folks will, in my community, African-Americans, won't go to therapy. We have more, but they won't go to therapy because they say that's for white people. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the myths is that you can't find a black therapist. And if you find a black therapist, you can't find a black, a competent therapist. And that certainly is not true. Uh, You and I exist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, and we're constantly trying to find ways of bringing modalities that typically, uh, um, you know, marginalized folks don't have access to. Mm-hmm. The other myth is that, um, I believe, is that therapy is uh, too expensive 
and um, while it can be expensive, I think um, really mental illness is more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that there are organizations out here who and therapists um, who offer, you know, uh, uh, sliding scales, um, and there are some who offer uh, so many. Um, therapy sessions. Um, I know Taraji P. Shinton does. Um, and so, you know, at what cost, what are we willing to um, pay for therapy? Um, but also, what have we lost by not going to therapy? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, the other myth is that therapists don't make money. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people will, you'll hear, say, well, I would do this even if I wasn't getting paid. I'm not going to say that (laughs) because um, it is the money that I make in doing therapy that helps to increase the number of BIPOC brain spotting therapists. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and also um, for the last two years, I've offered pro bono um, sessions. I've offered three pro bono sessions. for a number of uh, folks just so that they can experience brain spotting. Mm-hmm. And then I um, connect them with um, a brain spotting therapist. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, therapy is not just for white folk. Um, and one of the things that I love is that coffee and conversation. Can we just sit down and have a talk? You know, um, so that you get to tell me what's going on. And mm-hmm. in that dual attunement, we travel this journey together. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And so much truth there that goes counter again to the illusions people are living under. Mm-hmm. And some who have also benefited from those illusions. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, it's interesting that you would say that because I was thinking about how, um, you know, even with um, medication, at one point in my career, I would never say that, you know, uh, psychotropic medication should be used. But I'm, I'm more understanding that, um, you know, sometimes folk have had experiences, bad experiences. And so how do you help them to recognize that that was a bad experience, but we're in a new place now? Mm-hmm. And how can I at least, and I said to some of my clients, give me four sessions. And if I'm not the person for you, I understand. I won't be offended, but I'll help you connect to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to deal with the trauma of having a bad experience with a bad therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, having to go to a white therapist who isn't culturally sensitive. Very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, speaking with uh, another thera- uh, therapist in one of the episodes that's going to that aired before this, it was Dr. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, and I'm going to butcher her name right now because it's not on the top of my tongue um but this is the re-enchant and reinframe episode which by the time this airs will have also uh been people have already heard but we spoke about the standpoint of 
how going to like comic conventions and gaming conventions, there are at least three obstacles. And one of those obstacles is the sense of how have this one single experience been just enough to keep us from coming back. Mm -hmm. Because that space was being dominated by someone who hasn't got the cultural training, the sensitivity or the bias. Yeah, um, and again, we that's part of what we can use brain spotting to do, um, to deal with the traumatic experience, um, those past experiences. Um, and so, yeah, being able to, um, talk about that because it's real. I mean, I've experienced it, Mm -hmm. right? I've experienced, I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. So if I say, I'm not going back to her, <laughs> and this is the reason why, and I can say to my to the therapist, you know, because I am a therapist with a therapist who has a therapist who has a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, if I can say to um, a colleague, you know, mm, that wasn't culturally sensitive or, um, you know, all I hear you saying is just pray about it. You know, that's what I'm trying to end. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like for you to hear more from you than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like I'm writing my own treatment plan. That's not what I'm here for. Exactly. So we're going to have to have you back on for a part two so we can go over your book because I'm sad we didn't get a chance to go into that. But uh, where can people find you if they want to be able to connect with you more? So if you want to connect with me, I am at the Healing Institute on Facebook. Please sign up. I am also on LinkedIn, um, Dr. Paula Langford, CEO, and on um, the Instagram, Dr. Paula Langford, um, Healing Institute. All righty. So we'll have those linked up in the show notes as soon as possible. And I want to thank you. And we'll schedule that in part two to talk about your books and your writing. Sounds good. I like it. (laughs) All righty. So thank you for being on here. And thank you for all the work you're doing. So folks, this has been my chat with Dr. Paula Langford. And I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. So please tune in again for another episode here of Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered on the Voice America Network. And be safe this day. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 